Hey, winning at workers. It is the end of 2022. What a great year. I had, gosh, at least 100 different CEOs and founders from some of the best food and beverage brands on. They have shared insights and stories and key learnings, trends. Really can't wait for 2023 and all the great new companies and brands and stories we're going to hear. But here we are. It's the end. And I am so pleased to be wrapping it up. As all companies and brands go through, there's always changes and innovations. You can be expecting that as well from winning at work. But for now, let's finish up. Let's have our last episode of the year. Stay tuned. Well, I am pleased to have my very last podcast guest of the year, Ani. Is it Mamtora? Yes, it is. Mamtora. Ani Mamtora. I always, I feel like <laughs> I've just been on a first name basis with you for so long now, Ani. Right. Um, really watching your just phenomenally tasting adaptogen brownie um, move from uh, kitchen into uh, grocery or and or retail and, and direct to consumer. So I'm really excited to have you down here today. You and I tried to have a podcast back in May. Uh, so first of all, thank you for having me, Tony. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm really, really uh, happy. At the same time, I'm really, really looking forward to the podcast. A, because, you know, I'm the last podcast of the year for you. And uh, B, that uh, now that I have about six months of uh, product in the market, I can maybe add more and uh, talk more about the product uh, now that we have a longer time. <laughs> now that we've had more time. Well, and by the way, so the samples you sent me were fantastic. I've got a sweet tooth and I love anything cakey. And your brownies certainly fit into that category. And I, I'm just really excited for people to learn more about your brownie, the ingredients, what you're trying to accomplish. But for people that don't know you, I just want to give people a quick overview. You have a, you're kind of a, what I would call that classically trained pastry chef. So that is your origin. You are a, an actual, a, a pastry chef and you've been involved, you know, French fine dining in Europe. You've been all through India, learning your craft, fine-tuning what flavors work the best, and voila, 10 years in the making, right? Mm -hmm. You've, you've had yeah. this, this idea. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. Um, yes, I am definitely uh, classically trained, and I started my pastry journey back in 2011. I graduated from my college in India. And um, during my college time, I got a chance to go to France, uh, which was part of the exchange program. And I got a scholarship to visit France and learn pastry under classically trained French chefs. And it was like a dream come true. I had never even thought that I would get a chance. But here I was um, uh, almost uh, 18 something in a new country for the first time going alone. And um, I didn't know what to expect. But what I gained from there and the experience and the the gastronomic uh, history that they have, the pedigree of chefs, um, the kind of techniques they use was something totally out of the blue for me. 
I had never seen anything like that. And so that immediately pulled me in, like pastry immediately sucked me into the whole uh, concept of playing with colors, tastes, textures, flavors, and you can pretty much create an art on a plate. So what I like to call it is the shortest art form ever, because from the plate to the consumer, it has the shortest lifespan. And while it sits in front of you, you admire it for a minute and then you consume it. So <laughs> it has the shortest It doesn't last life. long, does it? Right. And that's the idea, right? Nobody, no pastry chef wants his pastries to sit for a longer time. That's true. It, it, it means you failed, you know, in your attempt to dazzle and bring someone in to try your delicious treat. Exactly. Exactly. So that's an interesting kind of story as what kind of hooked you into pastry. Mm -hmm. um, about a year ago, I had another guest on that started their company in Union Kitchen. And mm -hmm. that's obviously where you are as well. So tell us a little bit about that relationship and how they support you and what it does for an entrepreneur to be part of a kind of a food startup community. Sure, sure. sure. Um, so I'll take a step back in this and basically give you a rundown as to why I went with Union Kitchen and how I chose them. Um, so I knew one thing that I have a good product because I have a pastry skill. I know how to make desserts and I've been doing it for a decade now. So I knew that I have a good product after a lot of iterations, trials and errors and a lot of different ingredient swaps and uh, choosing what kind of ingredients I want to use and stuff. I narrowed down the recipe to the T and then I was starting to look into the market as to who can help me support, bring my vision into life. Because I knew pastry, but I didn't know anything else. I did not know how to do nutritional facts. I did not have any idea about packaging, what kind of materials to use, how to do branding, who can help me with my copyright and stuff like that. All the the important things that you need in order to succeed and bring a CPG product to life. The commercialization side of it. Right, right, exactly. And so I was looking into different uh, startup accelerator launch pads and uh, Union Kitchen caught my eye because um, the first and foremost being they, they have their own distribution system and they have their own stores. So um, the biggest benefit that you get or any company gets out of a launch pad like this is to have an infrastructure which is built in, which is almost guaranteed success if your product is good. Because A, you get a good, uh, um, I would say, know-how as to how the whole distribution channel works, the logistics of it, the pricing. Uh, B, you get a product that can be in front of the people. You can pretty much go in the stores and sample your product and get the feedback immediately, which does not that you know happen that often with so many different companies who have accelerator programs. They might have a good infrastructure, they might have a good team in place, but ultimately they don't have the testing grounds. So because Union Kitchen had both, it made more sense for me. And hence, um, I was like, you know what, let me just pitch the product get some idea as to how they work. And then I also got in touch with a couple of different companies that were currently working with uh, Union Kitchen at that point in time, reached out to them, got to know their experience and ultimately made a decision to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, what I really love about that model is that you, you begin to get some of that retail data. Right. 
Right. And which is very, very important. Like if you don't have your data right, if you don't have that statistics with you, um, you're sitting on a gold mine that you don't know of. So initially getting the right kind of data, understanding it, analyzing it, making tweaks to your recipe, maybe making tweaks to your product presentation helps a lot so that you can venture out into the real world and, you know, do the right things from the day one. Ani, so for the consumers that are listening to this, tell us just more about the brownie itself. It's sure. it honestly, we love the samples. We crushed them. They did not last long. We had to like separate them and have everyone try a little bit. Everyone wanted more. So you're totally right. You know, it's it's very delicious. I noticed ashwagandha was mm-hmm. kind of your primary adaptogen. So kind of talk to the consumer here. What is it that attracted you to these ingredients? Sure. Um, So when I created the brownie, um, I personally went with the brownie because A, as it is chocolate is something that helps you release stress, calms you down. And uh, B, I wanted to use ashwagandha in it, as you rightly pointed out, that is my adaptogen of choice. And that is the key thing that makes my brownies different and functional. So, I have a background in Ayurvedic medicines and Ayurvedic supplements per se, because I come from India and the Western part of India, especially um, the city that I grew up in has the world's biggest Ayurvedic university. And so I have been consuming ashwagandha since almost 20 years now. Um, So I was born around Ayurvedic supplements and herbs. Um, That was our primary way of uh, treating any ailments that we had in the household. Um, And different herbs and their different uses into day-to-day life, not just as supplements, but also medicinal purposes, different things that we use in Indian cuisine that help um, nourish your gut or which are antiseptic uh, in nature or are beneficial to you in different ways. Uh, have all been part of Ayurvedic medicines uh, since almost 2000 years. And so that was a heap of knowledge that I always had in me. And I knew all the benefits of different herbs. And I thought that, you know, why don't I just combine two of my uh, known art forms? One is the pastry that I know and do and have been doing for 10 years and be the knowledge that I have in terms of my uh, Ayurvedic background. And so ashwagandha fit the bill right there. And it also happened to be that uh, in the Western world, ashwagandha had started picking up momentum. A lot of people were starting to know what ashwagandha is. Uh, People were curious to find out what adaptogens are and what they do to you. Um, and if consumed in a certain dosage every day can be so much beneficial and ashwagandha not just is beneficial as an adaptogen it has also uh, properties that help you release stress they are also beneficial for your gut so ultimately it's a super food of sorts which has numerous benefits and adding that to brownie to the right amount of dosage can amplify the benefits twofolds. So anybody trying to consume a dessert that is better for you and your gut is primarily looking to get an indulgent piece of you know a dessert. And so when they have a dessert that is tasting the same as your brownie, 
has the same taste and texture. It has the same flavor. It has all the profiles that you look for a proper brownie, but it also kicks up a notch by having that adaptogenic benefit in it. And uh, because the taste does not change at all with the dosage that I have in the brownie, you pretty much don't even feel that there's anything. It tastes like just another rich and decadent brownie, but it, it also has all these benefits attached to it. How do you try to uh, educate the consumer or do you just kind of leave it to them to go to the internet and kind of search out? Uh, no. So actually on the pouch, on the backside of the pouch, on my individual packaging, I have a description that pretty much defines why the brownies are functional and what adaptogens are in a very brief statement. Okay, so if good. anybody wants to get a basic rundown of what adaptogens are and why ashwagandha is chosen, you can always read on the back of the pack. But if you want to go into the details, then definitely you can find more information on the internet. Well, and I think the time that when I first had the samples to now, there's been some some big news for you. I mean, obviously you're you're getting more more sales. You've got more amplification, right? But you also appeared in the uh, Nosh uh, Pitch Slam, if I yes. if I recall. Yes, yeah. So that was a very very big experience right at the inception of the company. Like my my products, my brownies were not even two months out in the market, and um, I participated in Nosh Pitch Slam. Um, it happened in New York and we were about 10 companies that competed against each other for the top spot of uh, being the championship uh, trophy winners for the pit slam. And it's like um, Shark Tank in a way. But the only thing is it does not have any money attached or there's no equity that gives that's given up. It's pretty much pitching a product, saying what it is let the judges taste what it is. And then ultimately they compare different products and they choose a winner. And I was lucky enough to be the championship trophy holder, which I still have in my office right now. <laughs> that is awesome. It's a dream come true. I had, didn't, I did not anticipate that at all in my wildest dreams. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, the hardest part is having to go speak after you win because you're in a daze, right? <laughs> well, if if you go back to YouTube and look at the videos, like you can see me, I'm like completely awestruck. I did not have any words. I was exactly. Like, it's like, what am I going to say? You know, right? I was not prepared. Right? I I prepared my deck. I prepared my pitch the next day when I was in semifinals. I came to the finals. I prepared everything that I had to. But I what I did not anticipate was winning. Winning. <laughs> yeah. And so I had no idea what to speak, but it just happened. And uh, I'm so, so grateful to the entire team at Nosh um, and all the judges who gave me the opportunity and uh, let me put my product out because that was a monumental shift into, you know, cementing Ruani as a brand because that legitimized that the product is good. Um, the big names of the industry recognize the brand and they saw that there's a potential that the product brings to the market, something different that there's missing a, a completely niche category of product where, you know, you're indulging into a dessert, but making it better. And so that's either. So in the market, what happens usually that I've seen is either the product is, you know, functionally attributed to a lot of different things, but it, it lacks in taste. Um, or it's too grainy or it's too dry. 
And when you're trying to make it vegan or may, may, when you're trying to, you know, add a lot of protein, you add a lot of isolates or you add uh, sugar alcohols, um, things that are not too desirable to your tummy and, you know, completely ruins your system. What ends up happening is you might like it the first or the second time, but you might not want to consume it on a regular basis because people start having some kind of issues with it. And so, because it's a dessert that has all these different attributes attached and is something that is indulgent, you don't have to think twice before consuming, you know, as many as you want. What would you say is your vision for your brand? Mm -hmm. um, so I started off with one and one thought in my mind. I wanted to, first of all, create the most fudgiest nutrition fact packed adaptogenic brownie which also has to have the best gut healing components in terms of ingredients and the mission was pretty much to bring delicious desserts that tantalize the taste buds while working wonders on your gut health this is the premise of the company that's the blueprint of ruani and uh, that's what i'm building the whole company on so anything that is fudgy. <laughs> now, is it too soon to start thinking about uh, brand extensions or is it just right now solely focused on, okay, we've got a great product right now. Let's just work mm -hmm. on scaling, getting distribution. Or are you constantly having to fight down these other ideas you're getting as a pastry chef, right? There've got to right. be other areas that you see oh. – Oh, we could enter into this. We could enter into that. What's your your your, your gut telling you on, on this? So I am actually it's it's a bit of both. Um, I agree with what you're saying, and uh, that's a fight that I constantly fight with myself because I'm a pastry chef. I have so many different ideas pouring out of my mind. I always try to do different recipes. So that is one of the things that I always like to do. Like when I'm completely stressed out with my day to day work, I go to the kitchen and I, I just try and create something. Because that helps me calm down personally, like, you know, bring my thoughts to a, a control. And so I do have a couple things that I have in pipeline. I definitely want to add a flavor or two to the existing lineup. And I will definitely venture into different products. Um, the biggest challenge that I had was to make it shelf stable. And uh, that was the initial process that I had to go through. Um, I did not... Um, anticipate the product will be shelf stable up to six months, which is, uh, which we are right now. And, um, I feel that it's a biggest, um, achievement as a chef that I've achieved to create a CPG product with eggs inside and can be shelf stable for six months and can be refrigerated for eight months. So initial testing, I came down to 60 days and then slowly, gradually making some tweaks to the recipe. Now we are at six months and I think it's a, it's a good place to be. In. What were, what are some of your other key learnings or biggest challenges in this first kind of rapid year of growth for you? Um, I'd say the biggest thing that I learned was uh, you can't do it all. And don't try to do. So um, and as an entrepreneur, I always uh, thought that, you know, I have so many different skills that I can use. Um, 
I definitely had the pastry skills. I'm an artist at heart. So, you know, photography, creating some content uh, for the brand for Instagram or TikTok or, you know, trying to do some kind of branding, uh, enhancing my website and stuff like that. Um, I think the biggest takeaway would be to maybe take a step back and just focus on the things that I knew. I know the best and maybe try and get people on board who can help you with the other things. Because as an entrepreneur, you are, you're constantly fighting this, you know, a thin line of balance where you, you have to be an accountant, you have to be a CFO, you have to, you know, get the right products, you have to get, be a great negotiator. You have you're to, a salesperson. Right, right. And those are all the different hats that you have to wear as an entrepreneur. But, you know, to choosing the ones that you can handle the best and which ones to say no to at the point and, you know, look into delegating it is the key. That's what I learned the best. Well, give us some of your key learnings as it relates to the sales side or in retail or in distribution. Talk to us about that because obviously you've got it out of the kitchen. It's shelf it's shelf stable now. Now you're into the sales reordering. So talk to us a little bit about that that process for you. Sure. Um, so as I said, uh, Union Kitchen was very instrumental and is very instrumental right now too. Like they were the ones who pretty much helped me understand the whole distribution process and working with them has been a breeze. Um, Getting the product into different markets, getting leads, um, going to different companies and stores that I think could be prospective um, retailers for our brand and to maybe align the ideas or to see the right kind of uh, companies that might pick us up was the biggest challenge. And so it's a relentless process, like how many uh, stores you want to be in and how much effort you're trying to do in terms of, you know, pitching and creating more uh, interest in your product, having that buzz, teaming up with the right companies is the key. And so once I got into Union Kitchen Distribution, the biggest uh, benefit that I got was Compass Coffee, which is um, the biggest name in terms of the locally homegrown coffee shop chain in D.C., and so I got a chance to sit with the vice president, have a meeting of the company and then pitch my brownies to them. And ultimately them picking us up was the biggest um, um, highlight, I would say, for the, the latter part of the year. And another biggest success was getting into Air One market on the West Coast. And uh, because Air One is known for uh, having the the newest and the, the best products which are better for you in the market, um, I feel having us on the shelves on their stores also made a lot of different retailers take interest in our product because uh, um, this is what I've heard. I know I don't know whether it's true or not, but a lot of different companies, a lot of different retailers m like pretty much have sales teams who go around the shelves of Air One Market to find new products, to discover new companies. And so being on the shelf at that uh, prestigious store also helped me get into different accounts. Mm -hmm. Kind of puts you on the map of who's who and this is, this is a product we need to start uh, following. Right, exactly. And so this again happened in the first four months of the product launch uh, right after Nosh. So again, it was a big achievement for the company. 
Ani, I know entrepreneurs that are listening to this are also thinking, okay, funding mm-hmm. and how do you source, find the the funds to balance the production runs that you have to make plus all the other challenges in retail and distribution. Do you have any thoughts on on that? Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm a completely bootstrapped company and I have uh, my own savings that I've put in the company. Um, but at the same time, I also successfully um, got a crowdfunded loan from Kiva. And so... You say that? Kiva? Kiva. K-I-V-A. Here's what I found. And so Kiva is something of a crowdsource platform where companies like mine bring their product in on a smaller scale and pitch it to different people around the world who are trying to lend, you know, or trying to help the companies grow. And so this is kind of a loan that you get at 0%, um, which completely is helpful for new brands like mine, where they don't have to incur the interest cost. They do not have to have any other fees associated with it. It's completely how you showcase your product, showcase your, yourself and show what your company is made of. And if the values align with the people, they lend you money. And so this was another way of actually getting some cash into business to help with the day to day. And um, as it's a very f- challenging environment currently uh, in terms of finance, in terms of cash flows, um, it's, it's a very tricky situation where you have to find a balance between ordering enough ingredients that you can fulfill your orders. At the same time, you don't want to burn out on your cash that you do not have any cash left over. And so I'm trying pretty hard to like juggle between the both. And I'm, I might even look for a bigger crowdfunded loan of sorts in the future, which I'm currently looking into. So I definitely want to keep the company and the equity with myself and don't want to dilute it any further. And I definitely think that crowdfunding loans are good. And if you can, maybe look into grants that your state is giving out to new businesses or companies that have minority owners or people um, who are starting off the company who are immigrants like myself. Uh, Different grants are part of the state's uh, legislation that can be helpful to you. So be on the lookout, maybe search for different companies. I think that would be the best way. Yeah, because I would imagine that would be one of the the big stumbling blocks is you want to get in and open up all those new retailers, but then you've mm-hmm. got to then turn around and, and increase manufacturing and that just, you know, increases the expense. Right. How how is manufacturing going now as you as you start looking into next year, increased mm-hmm. Uh, increase volumes. Do you right. have to start looking at bigger co-packers? What's been what's been that process like for you as an entrepreneur? Right, a constant battle of keeping where you are running, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. keeping your eye to the next bigger co-packer or whatever other option that you might think will work. Well, talk to us about that. Right. Uh, so 2023 is going to be definitely scaling up, um, doing some kind of uh, packaging revamp. Um, I might be doing some kind of changes to my packaging um, in terms of my offerings. Uh, So I'm planning to bring in my six packs along with the 12 packs that I currently have. Um, In terms of production, I think I'm 
a little different in my thought process. It's a little uh, different from the usual CPG approach. And uh, that is that I want to control my production. I feel like going to a co-manufacturer will take that control away. And I want to be, you know, controlling where my ingredients come, how much I produce and how the product is made. Because A, I know the product is made in a certain way. And, um, you know, if and when the need be, I might venture into co-manufacturers, but in the longer term, but at the short span or maybe for the next couple of years, I don't think I want to lose control of manufacturing. So I have different um, machines that I'm looking for to employ and uh, help with uh, speedier packaging. I'm also looking into bigger spaces and um, hopefully soon I outgrow the current um, membership at Union Kitchen and I can get into my own facility soon enough to be able to create like a workflow which is well oiled and chained where I just have a constant flow of workflow that's going around for production and packaging and sending it out. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking as you go down that road of taking control or maintaining control over your manufacturing and ingredients and and final outcomes, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to have other products coming to you and saying, do you have any excess capacity? Could we use your facilities? You might even become the, uh, the co-packer of choice. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought. I did not uh, think about it that way, but now that you're saying it's a very interesting thought that, uh, can be, you know, thought of. And I, I don't see a lot of companies not coming to me for the same reason, because a, I have the pastry expertise. And to tell you the truth, I have been approached by a couple of companies right now um, for some kind of product development or helping them fine tune a recipe and stuff like that. So um, my background definitely helps and it attracts uh, different companies with the similar kind of interests. Definitely. So I guess as we kind of close out, what is your opinion about getting into um, convenience stores? Because that's obviously an impulse purchase. Do you think there'll be any sort of a a marketplace there? Um, So, yes, definitely. Convenience stores is ultimately uh, the biggest gold mine, I think, uh, where the highest turnover per person and um, the the biggest benefit with, as you rightly pointed out, is the impulse buy. And so being closer to the, the checkout counters or being exactly. the, because our brownies are on the go and they are a good snack that you can carry everywhere, it completely makes sense. Um, so that's definitely on the target. Um, but at this moment in time where my production capacity is limited, and where I am trying to get into more stores and trying to create more accounts, my, my prime focus right now is to establish the brand as an alternative to the typical desserts that you get in the market. So what I'm trying to do right now is achieve that mentality switch or the mindset switch where anybody who wants to eat a dessert should be able to eat a dessert without thinking twice. And so once I know that my consumers are switching into a better for you format, that's when, and once I have my production scaled up, I think I will be able to reach out to the the convenience stores of the world and get the brownies out there. Mm -hmm. I do think people want that better for you brownie or that better for you dessert. I I think they do. They just, 
they just need to find it. They just need to know, you know, it's there and start supporting those companies that are doing that. Um, so what's the best way for people to, to find you online? Um, are you, I mean, do you have a, an Amazon presence? Yeah. So that's something that I'm working on currently. I don't have an Amazon presence at the moment. I'm trying to um, get the product in there and set up a listing. But I am available on my own website, uh, which is uh, eatruani.com. And you can pretty much find us there. Uh, If you want to just try the product, we have a six pack of um, three different flavors where we have two brownies from each flavor that you can try and maybe share with your friends and family and then order a bigger pack as you want. Um, what uh, what we are doing right now is also working on a subscription-based model where people will be able to order the brownies every fortnight or maybe every month and, uh, you know, make it easier for them so that they don't have to keep thinking about ordering the brownies every now and then. And they can I order. like it. A little box shows up with these delicious treats. Exactly. Well, and that that gives you a lot of creativity from an art standpoint, too, with your box, what you can put on there, how you can educate them and all the different QR codes. I love the I love that idea because you can really connect with your consumer in a a much more uh, personal way, I think. True that. Exactly. And so 2023 is going to be the year where we start doing community building. And so that's the biggest agenda that we have right now. Because we are educating the community right now with adaptogens and what adaptogens can be, you know, helpful to you when you're consuming a dessert. We want to do this so that, you know, everybody feels part of the whole Ruani brand and the movement carries on. And so if we have a, a strong community behind us, I feel that completely gives us, um, you know, that the freedom of taking the biggest leap and reaching out to stores or people um, nationwide, which usually or typically won't be looking around for better for you desserts. Do you want to talk at all about your your ideas around building community? I think that is a really important topic that right. companies want to figure that out. Are mm-hmm. you Are you in that process now? Is it something coming? Do you have anything you want to share about that? Um, at the moment, I'm currently learning myself as to what are the best ways. Fair enough. It's and, it's there's a lot there. Right, right. And so I'm trying to like dip my toes into different areas and understand which will be the right and the correct path to go towards um, for the brand and uh, the brownies. But at the same time, I know for a fact that people love the brownies. And uh, the the number of subscribers that we have without any kind of uh, um, input from the website itself is phenomenal. And that pretty much gives me, um, you know, that that legitimate point where I wanted to make that the company is validated by so many people. And there are consumers who are standing behind us trying to support the brand as is. And so if we try to use that and leverage that interest and maybe trickle it down further, that can be helpful to the company. So um, definitely there will be models that I think I would want to employ, which would be either merchandising or creating a limited edition 
or having some kind of a collab done between different brands as well, which people already love, and then bring those community members into Ruani community as well. So there are different ideas that I have, but um, I'm not sure which one I'll stick to. Still learning, still figuring it out. This is what's fascinating. This is really what I, I, I want us to have this conversation again in 2023 about how this community takes off because there's just so many different ways that a person could interact with your brand, you mm-hmm. know, from, you know, taking pictures and posting it back on social and maybe how you incorporate that onto your website and, right. you know, how it's, how they, how they think about using the product. Right. You know, that's, that's, what's fascinating is like, how does a consumer think about mm-hmm. your product? You have an idea, but what do they, I mean, are these people who love to go hiking and right. they, they take it hiking with them and they snap photographs from their favorite hikes, right. enjoying some water and, you know, this great little treat, you know, at the top of their summit or whatever. You never know. And that's, you just like to say, it kind of takes a life of its own. Right. Yes, definitely. And even, even so, like to add to your point, I feel like if we tap into the right kind of clientele and the right kind of people who are into a certain community, uh, it completely opens doors to the brand, which you haven't even thought of. Uh, like you right point, rightly pointed out about, you know, people going for hiking. And so I had a subscriber who is actually a hiker and mm. the whole entire family goes and they were kind enough to share pictures. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, it's. Yeah, we didn't talk about that ahead of time. That was me just thinking, you know, how would a consumer, you know, use this? Oh, yes, exactly. And so because our product is on the go, like that was an area of clients that I thought can be targeted in a different way. And so even there are consumers right now and subscribers that are currently reaching out to me. They're like, when are you releasing your merchandise? Like we would love to wear Ruani, like a t-shirt, a branding. Cause the fonts, if you look on the product um, are created in a way which, you know, dictate attention. Like they want your eyes to go there. And so it has almost come to a point where people are uh, uh, constantly asking me, like, you know, it's it's a very premium looking brand. How can we wear it in different ways in our day? So, uh, you know, getting stickers out for their laptops and bags or maybe memorabilia or maybe, you know, magnets and stuff like that. People are actively asking for such stuff. So this is the kind of feedback that I can I see myself using. Uh, to create a brand, to create a community around. Because if I listen to the community itself, I can get better ideas. And so that's the whole point of doing like, you know, reciprocating. Yeah. And I think the the merchandising aspect is probably the easiest of all the things you want to accomplish because you just go to a, you know, you, you find your store, you find your partner and they do the printing, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's just it's just an expense for you, honestly, you know. Right. At, at that point. Right. Um, yeah, I I think the sky's the limit. You know, I could just see someone going to REI or going to their favorite place that they go to buy their camping gear. Mm-hmm. And there they are checking out. And there it is. Yep. Yep. I mean, come on. It, it's the old boring trail mix. Who wants that? Exactly. Everybody wants something new and something exactly. better. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So... 
All right, Ani. Well, I'm so glad we um, we were not allowed to have our conversation in May. We were forced to wait until December. True that. And I'm, I'm really, really excited for the entire podcast. And I, I can't wait to have another session with you and talk more about it. Yeah, well, this is kind of what I envision is I, I, I love finding those early startup brands and kind of understanding the the different ups and downs that they go through. And then we we get to the finish line. Well, there's never a finish line. It's always another <laughs> summit, another summit, another <laughs> summit. But we can look back and say, oh, that was really hard. Here's how I did it. True. And so um, you're I know you're an inspiration to many. You've got a great product. I hope everyone does give it a try it's uh, eatruwani.com i'll have all that in the show notes ani is there was there anything else you wanted to talk about today before we close out 2022 i guess you, we've covered everything else um just that uh be on the lookout for our brownies and ruwani and if you haven't definitely give it a shot try the brownies i'm sure you'll love it do you have a favorite a favorite flavor Ah, that's a tricky one. (laughs) It's like, which is your favorite child, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't like, you know, there's not a single one that I would prefer. That's the right answer. That's (laughs) the right answer. You wouldn't take the bait. Ani, so good to have you on today. Um, I hope everyone gets a chance to give it a try and uh, much success to you in 2023. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me, Tony. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, to all the listeners, have a very wonderful, uh, happy new year, 2023. That's right. We'll see you next year. See ya. Bye.